Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Now, from Happy Valley, here's your host, Brian Tripp. And we've reached the end, episode number four in our four-part series on athletic performance. And today we're going to talk about year-round and Olympic cycle sports. This is a very interesting discussion because track and field, swimming, for example, are two sports that are a little bit more unique in their training and preparation. You have national team trials, Olympics, and we've got into that a little bit when we discussed wrestling in the last episode with Michael. But here in topic number four, I'm joined by Mel and Will. You'll be fascinated by their background. I know this is just a great way. It really summarizes everything that athletic performance is involved with here at Penn State. It's a great way to wrap up this four-part series. If you've missed any of our first three episodes, you can find those in the archives on whatever podcast platform you may be listening. But I'm Brian Tripp. And I'm so excited to have you with us to wrap up this four-part series on athletic performance. So without further ado, I'll allow our guests to introduce themselves, and we'll dive into this week's topic. Thanks so much for tuning in to Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Mel, Will, appreciate the time. Thanks so much for taking time to join us here on the Let's Go State podcast and this special series that we're doing. Thank you so much, Brian. Appreciate it. Well, the thing that we want to do with each of our guests and that we have done so far on these episodes is have you introduce yourself, the teams you work with, and then discuss a little bit of your background. So can you share that with our audience? Yeah, I'd love to. So I've been here at Penn State for a little over 10 months. I, I got uh, initially hired in February. Um, I, teams that I work with are men and women's swimming and diving, as well as women's soccer. Uh, before here, I hate to say it on uh, the, the podcast, but I was at Rutgers uh, b- beforehand. Uh, but um, I, there I worked a multitude of different teams, uh, whether it be track and field, softball, uh, volleyball, men's and women's lacrosse, um, field hockey. I think that's all of them. Yes. Uh, so th- that definitely kept me busy during my period of time. And then initially I started uh, way, way back when, to uh, 2012, uh, at Cal State Fullerton, and there I worked with both men's and women's soccer, as well as men's basketball, and um, who else did I work with? Oh, uh, track and field. Mel, you've almost been at Penn State as long as I have. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's hard to believe that. It's been uh, nine years, going on nine years here. I got here in August of 2014, and my roles have sort of changed over the course of my time here. I've worked with men's volleyball, men's soccer, rugby, um, and now it's sort of just transitioned into all of track and field. Um, I should say I, I started out with uh, jumpers and multis, and now it has just evolved into all of track and field and uh, women's golf. I kind of started my, my journey back in Oh gosh, it was, I think 2007, I had to fulfill an internship for my major in, uh, in school, in college, and I kind of just took this leap and went out to the East Coast. I'm originally from Wisconsin, went out to the East Coast for the first time in my life, and I started an internship at Harvard, and it was, it was sort of like a blessing and a curse at the same time because I got to train various different athletes there. Um, I put in a lot of hours, um, but it was sort of just fulfilling just 
having to, you know, kind of learn different sports that I've never even worked with or watched or seen, you know, played. So uh, I was there for about two years and then I took a graduate assistant position at Springfield College and there I worked with see baseball, women's track and field, I dabbled into women's volleyball at one point, women's lacrosse, and then after I completed my um, my coursework there, I got a full-time position at uh, University of Delaware, and there I worked with softball, women's track and field, women's lacrosse, field hockey, and assisted with football. So I was there for about three years, and then this opportunity at Penn State uh, came along. So you both have diverse, well-rounded backgrounds, and what we talked about in episode three of our podcast was the difference between between training in season versus off season. I think the unique things, and obviously you work with multiple sports, but the unique thing, especially about swim and dive and track and field, is that these are 365. They are year-round sports. Now, there's different seasons that you're preparing your athletes for, but they really are year-round sports. What was the shift like for you working with these athletes, knowing that their competition schedule is a little bit different than your typical collegiate athlete, where if it's, say, women's volleyball, they're competing in the fall and you need to hear, have them geared up for a postseason in December. Basketball, you have to have them competing throughout the winter months and they gear up for a postseason in March. But this is a little bit different. How did you shift that focus? What is the focus when you're working with these teams that are more 365 based? Um, I think for me is um, just developing an annual plan. Um, it sort of is just a roadmap um, for their overall training um, process. And I mean, you're going to develop annual plans for other sports, but I think just putting this all on paper, um, it's sort of just like the first step in constructing an athlete's uh, program. Um, you can you can sort of organize your thoughts and you can organize their competitions. Um, you can um, you know organize testing, monitoring, um, and you know prioritize you know certain competitions. So f- you know for me, this is like just the biggest you know kind of step that you need to take in developing a year-round program. I think as far as when we think about, especially with track and field, swimming, uh, weightlifting, just kind of a couple of examples, uh, quadrilineal planning. So we think of this is based on the quad, if you will. So think about preparing for 2024 uh, Paris Olympics. A lot of these teams, they're kind of like like checkpoints. Right for, for so track and field, swimming, various meets. Uh, some have a little bit more importance than than others. But realistically, thinking about uh, kind of what Mel was saying, as far as setting things up, guiding the the various uh, phases of training cycles, however you know, strength and conditioning practitioners want to want to call them. Um, but we're we're just kind of providing once again that roadmap uh, to where. The competition is the most specific that you are going to be doing. And in these phases, trying to, you know, sometimes during these periods of time, emulate more sports-specific movements. Other times, whether that be in a general preparatory phase, uh, maybe we're we're taking kind of a step back, building a little bit more strength qualities, anaerobic qualities, et cetera. Um, So it's all about manipulating 
all those different variables to ultimately have the best at, at the end of competition or at the end that you're peaking at, at the right time. So what you're saying is you can't have an athlete at their very best for all 365. Like you have to pick and choose when they're going to peak. And, and how does that process start? Is that a conversation with the athletes, the coaches, looking at their collegiate schedule, depending on what their goals may be with international competition. Can you take me through that? Well, I think the success of uh, a training plan resides in how collaborative you are with the, with the assistant coaches um, or the event coaches, um, you know, and just willing to sit down together and, you know, kind of map out where can we you know, kind of train through some of these competitions or, you know, let's prioritize, you know, prioritize um, things around certain competitions so that, um, you know, we can, we can kind of train, you know, we can maintain strength or we can build strength and, you know, we can kind of taper if we need to. Um, so we kind of just, you know, work this balance between, um, you know, the different qualities um, and training cycles. Um, so that we are managing the fatigue and we are optimizing performance um, when we need to. And that's going to be different between a runner and a thrower. Can you give some examples of what you do in your sport when you have someone that's maybe what an example is of training through a competition or when you're getting geared up where you start to taper leading up to a competition so you're at your maximum? Can you give some specific examples of that? I think as far as like looking at a train through meet so to speak to where most of the time the coach is just going to have not really i guess so much importance it's just like hey you have your training for the week and however you kind of go into it feeling you know i feel great i i don't feel i maybe feel fatigued uh through through the training these are just things to where it, just to kind of give a little bit more stress because at the end of the day the the stress of competition the stress of training Everything results in, in stress. And how are you able to, uh, whether that be you stress, which is good stress uh, that we want to have, or distress, uh, which is a, a combination or byproduct of bad stress. Um, it, however, you're kind of culminating and building up that, uh, I think can take a toll uh, on, on the athlete and not alone, hey, be the rigors of an 18 to 23-year-old individual to where you know, school, finals, tests, uh, relationship status, you know, all these other things. And now you have them uh, carrying this extra weight of, hey, I, I have this competition for swim. I have this competition for track and field. I want to make my mark. It, it definitely kind of plays suit if you're not, uh, I guess, in, in, in tune slash if you're not accustomed to kind of the, these rigors as well. Well, kind of going back to, um, you know, looking at that annual plan, Right. So we have this we have this roadmap and obviously things we can modify things, we can adjust things. Um, so, for example, um, you know, in the sport of track and field, there are um, there are certain competitions that we will set our, you know, let's say our distance runners will set them up for, um, you know, to go hit a, you know, a, an NCAA mark. Right. It's um, you know, it's the the competition. Um, you know, is just setting us up because there might be good competition from, you know, uh, schools, schools coming to, you know, to the facility or we're going to a facility that has, 
um, you know, good competition. And that's sort of that opportunity where we can set them up to hit NCAA marks. Um, you know, and it goes same thing for, for other events as well. Um, there's always these competitions where we, the coaches know and they can visualize and they can, you know, um, verbalize, um, you know, we're going to go and hit a mark. Or, you know, maybe it's a competition where, um, you know, we don't have uh, sort of the, the competition to set us up. Um, you know, it might just be like a glorified practice. We're just going to go and run hard. Um, and, um, you know, we're going to train through this competition. So, uh, you know, it's, you can kind of like within that annual plan, I already mentioned, like, you know, you have that roadmap, but, you know, you can adjust things up and down from there. When you look at an annual plan, you are working with high level, highly motivated, highly driven athletes, and they want to always be improving and trying to get to their best. How important is it for them? when they're working at a 365 day cycle to understand there are times where you have to back down, if that makes sense, because you can't go to your maximum all the time or else that could actually be having a negative impact on your fitness and your strength and your performance. Is that something you share with them? Yeah. I, I, for me, especially I kind of go in and, during the start of each training session, I kind of give them the, the goals or the objectives of the day. And from there, I, we, we might be in a, like a base or a general physical preparation kind of phase. And, and hey, like our intensities, our, uh, our percentages, everything is maybe nothing more than, say, 60 to 7% or like a you know, 5 to an 8 RPE. How are you coming up with those goals and objectives every day? Is it based on the plan that you set forth? How much of that is monitoring where that team and that athletes, where they're at currently? Yeah, I mean, so that's once again, a kind of a discussion talking with the, the sport coach and real, realizing where they want to kind of be in in this kind of time frame span of of the year and from there we'll go through periodic times of testing and kind of get more realistic numbers on the athletes so it's not just kind of like hey going in a whim uh, th this is roughly where i think you'll be at uh, everything for the most part uh, we we have kind of a justifiable reasoning and and with that uh, able to kind of structure through you know, our various organizations, NSCA, CSCCA, uh, guidelines, prescriptions that they have kind of outlined, whether that be an off-season, in-season kind of transition, uh, and things that we try to follow as best as, as we can. Mel, when you talk about having an annual plan, how often do you have to adjust that throughout the course of a year? Because you come up with an idea, but things will change, and an athlete may respond one way or a different way to that plan? How often do you stick to it and how adaptive do you have to be with that? I think for, um, for track and field, for the most part, when we're looking at our, you know, our fall season, um, we can, we can really stay the course with it. Um, there's not a whole lot of changing, um, or, you know, adapting, um, in the fall. I think, um, you know, when we get to our, our indoor season, um, our, generally our competitions are Friday or Saturday or Saturday only. So we can, you know, pretty much stay the course, um, through an, you know, indoor season, I would say, you know, I'm changing some things just based off of, um, you know, fatigue, um, and, you know, we'll monitor that through, um, through the course of, um, the year. 
Um, you know, we'll do force plate jumps. Um, we're working on collecting, you know, wellness surveys and, you know, mood. Um, so, you know, those adjustments will come based off of, you know, some of our monitoring that we do. When we get to our outdoor season, um, it can be challenging um, to really stay the course with um, our travel. Um, you know, we're, we're in the Northeast, and so we don't have a lot of competition outdoors here. So we're spending time going to Florida and California, Arizona. And so, you know, and then you got the weather challenges as well. So sometimes, um, you know, you kind of have to adjust on the fly when it comes to our outdoor season. Um, so, you know, but like I said, having that plan and making just subtle little adjustments, um, you know, it, it's easier to adjust on the fly when you kind of you have like the conceptual you know, training plan. What are your interactions with coaches like? I think you've touched on it a little bit, but can you provide an insight to those listening, what those conversations are like, the feedback and the ongoing dialogue you have with the coaches? Well, the dialogue is definitely ongoing. Um, you know, I, I work out of the track and field facility. So, um, you know, a lot of times it's just, you know, in daily passing or it's, you know, me watching practices. Um, coaches send me their um, their workouts. So I kind of know what they're doing on the track or in the field. So I can, you know, complement um, those qualities um, or fill gaps if I need to. So it's sort of just, um, it's just ongoing conversations um, and just, um, you know, we have a sort of a, like a high performance meeting, you know, every week. And that's kind of the time where we can kind of just go through individuals, whether they're injured, getting back from injury. Um, you know, we could just kind of have those conversations in, you know, in a meeting setting. Um, but then it's a lot of it's just kind of happening around the track for us. Same thing as far as with in, in swim and dive, we'll sit down together and kind of have a, I guess, a layout on whether that be the whiteboard, uh, what have you. And they will basically tell me, hey, this is our emphasis for morning practice because swim, they'll practice in the morning. Uh, they'll give them a recovery a time off and then they'll come back in the afternoon. So the emphasis of the morning might not be the same emphasis in the afternoon. Um, and also you start thinking about, Hey, they have about three training sessions a day because I count a weight training session as, as an actual session. So the days that we're having these three types of, of training sessions that has to be often addressed too. I'm, I'm not trying to have myself uh, go, you know, high volume if they're already going to be swimming a high distance meterage, et cetera. It, it, it's not probably going, it, you know, certain uh, times w we might overreach, uh, but at the same time, th this can't be just 365, um, so to speak. So we're, we're always trying to ebb and flow and balance, just kind of like what Mel was uh, mentioning. And I think the more that I can put myself in front of the coaches and kind of tell them, hey, this is what you're doing and seeing that. And then from, from my standpoint, uh, manipulating just once again all these different variables to put the best product uh, forth. I, I might have uh, an hour's training session, but because of them doing certain other things, we might just have to kind of adjust on the fly. And I, I might just have maybe 30 minutes of doing stuff where, hey, we'll get our CNS, uh, main CNS work, we'll do some explosive kind of jumps and send them on their way. I'm, I'm not just trying to you know, beat the dead horse uh, already. I'm, I'm always thinking quality over quantity. How much are coaches, when they come up with their practice plan, are they 
weighing your feedback onto how they should structure what they want to do versus you structuring what you want to do based on what coaches are telling you, you know, that they see. What's that give and take like? Uh, so I think for in, in regards to swim and, and even track and field, um, I, I think it, it is valued because both swim and track, you utilize the weight room as, as another asset uh, to, to that training stimulus. Um, so I feel that, uh, once again, I can create and I can pitch the, the best ideas. And ultimately, it's up to them whether they kind of say like, yeah, like I, I like that, that hybrid or that complement to this swim practice, this throws practice, et cetera. Um, or they could say like, this is initially what I was thinking. And then for, for me, just because thankfully I've been in doing this now for 10 plus years, you, you kind of get that, that experience factor of, Hey, okay, this is usually what they're kind of doing on this day. All right, let's, let's try to spin it and, and go this route. So it's kind of like eb ebbs and flows once again. You know, working with track and field for nine years here and, um, you know, kind of my whole career, uh, you can kind of anticipate what coaches are um, are doing weekly, monthly, um, you know, in the fall season and the, the indoor-outdoor season. So, for example, you know, I, I kind of have a an idea of, uh, you know, especially when it comes to in-season, my I know my pole vaulters are going to train um, or jump, I should say, on Mondays and Thursdays, you know, th typically those are going to be our, um, our weight room days, keeping our high days high or low days low, um, you know, and, and it just, it varies from coach to coach. Um, and then it's based on competition as well. So, you know, for another example is our high jumpers or, um, you know, some of our long and triple jumpers in season. Again, there'll be a Monday, Wednesday. So typically that'll be their, their higher days in the weight room. Um, and obviously we're looking at, you know, that day one is going to be, um, a little bit more of a, a higher day, um, than, you know, kind of it's further away from competition. Uh, Wednesday will, you know, kind of, um, maybe taper back on, um, some of the, uh, the exercises, the volume. Um, so, uh, you know, our, our interactions are, you know, they, they kind of give me the, the plan, but it's really, I, I kind of just know it before they even give it to me, um, you know, from year to year. That's because you're good. And that's because you have years of experience. To tell you that firsthand knowledge right here. You talked about pole vaulting and that's different than working with a hurdler or a runner. And there's a difference between the breaststroke and swimming freestyle. How do you manage the different all the different aspects that you're training within your teams because swimming and diving and track and field, you do have a lot of areas to cover in those variances. I think, uh, for track and field, um, you know, there are, I mean, yes, there are, it's a very complex sport and there's, uh, you know, a lot of different events. Um, but I think that we can all agree on one thing and, you know, like the purpose of strength and conditioning is to improve strength and power. Um, first and foremost. So you're going to find a lot of really, you know, um, similar qualities. And, you know, by increasing that strength and power, um, you know, we can directly improve our, uh, our event by increasing our capacity to apply force um, under time constraints, right? And then, you know, the kind of the flip of that is we can indirectly, indirectly, it's a, you know, injury resistance, um, you know, so exposing our body to increase loads, safely 
um, you know, our body can adapt, our tissues can thicken, um, you know, we're going to have less, uh, less injuries, less soft tissue injuries, stress fractures, stress, you know, reactions. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of things that we do the same across event group. Um, I think we're going to see differences or, um, uh, let's say our like throwers and our multis, right? So you're going to see maybe a little bit more upper body comp contribution, um, you know, from the demands of that, that event. Um, you're going to, you know, see that size is beneficial to, to our throwers, um, and our multis. Um, so, you know, cause we're throwing an external, um, you know, implement. So that size is beneficial, um, but strength is also, um, going to be important for, you know, all other events, um, distance sprinters. Um, you know, we want to keep a relatively small frame, um, you know, where is like, the, I mean, they kind of want a, a small frame for both of those group, but the magnitude of, um, that frame is a little bigger for, um, for a sprinter. Um, and, uh, you know, they can still be, um, efficient at applying force to the ground, um, you know, with a, a little bigger frame than a distance runner, um, in a way that improves their event. So, you know, you're going to see a lot of similarities and then like those differences can be within, you know, exercise selection, um, maybe the, you know, kind of our, our sets and repetitions and our intensities. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, they, they all need triple extension, right? Um, so, you know, those kind of those, uh, those exercises are going to be very similar um, across the board. Um, but like I said, it's, it's going to come down to just some, you know, small uh, differences between each event group. Will, I think the ideal swimmer's body, male or female, I think we all know what the ideal frame is and the wingspan and what the ideal swimmer looks like. That said, they have different specialties. So how do you train for those different specialties? So for me, I, th this has been my first go around with working swimming and diving. So I've relay, re, relayed heavily on asking the swim coaches. I've even pitched uh, to the di different student athletes to where during a general prep time, hey, everybody's kind of doing the same things. But as we get more individualized, as it gets more sports specific, our... Uh, our butterfly, you know, stroke uh, athletes compared to our freestylers, maybe they're doing a, a lateral lunge, you know, pushing out. Maybe they're having to load uh, more in different angles compared to the freestylers. Maybe we're working more hamstrings, adductors, and giving them different exercises. At the end of the day, I think uh, as far as upper body strength, you know, since, since they're you know, coaches keep on saying, hey, we're pulling through the water. We're trying to uh, glide and everything. Uh, I'm giving them the opportunity to select different pulling exercises that complement them. So some of the athletes, maybe they'll do extensively vertical pulling. Maybe they'll do a little bit more horizontal pulling. Uh, but things to that nature, I, I kind of uh, have opened it up a little bit more uh, because they, at the end of the day, they're the ones jumping into the pool, not me. So they kind of know more than what I do in, in kind of their own bodies uh, as far as training is concerned. Well, I think that's terrific insight from both of you. I've loved doing this entire series, so we really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for your expertise and insight. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks, Brian. It was fun. Another great episode to wrap up this four-part series on athletic performance. Thanks so much for tuning in to each episode. 
in our series. I really hope that you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe to our podcast, share it with your family and friends. We really do appreciate everyone tuning in each and every week here to Let's Go State and in particular to this series and great stuff from all of our athletic performance coaches here at Penn State. I hope you learned something. I know I did. And uh, this really was a joy to put together. So thanks so much for tuning in to Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics.